from Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 85. Upgrade is brought to you by PDF Pen Pro from Smile, MailRoute, and IT Pro TV. I'm Jason Snell, and once again, my co-host Mike Hurley is on assignment. He went to the Atlanta Pen Show where they clicked pens? I don't understand how pens work. Uh, anyway, so joining me, it takes two people to fill uh, Mike's shoes. Each of you gets a shoe. Uh, it, my guests this week are... Scott McNulty. Hi, Scott. I'm the right shoe. And in the left shoe, it's Dan Moore in high left shoe. Uh, hi, this is the worst version of Hollywood Squares ever. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, you, you guys are, are my special guest nemeses because you're often pitted against each other in games of chance or skill. I don't really know what that means. Although the, the history of that is, is lost into time, I believe. Yeah. Of our, the origin of our nemesis. Nemitude? Nemesis? You've always just been at odds. That's right. That's just how That's it works. True. As long as the universe has been around. I have despised you, Morin. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, I invited you both for, for particular reasons. And also, we, we do talk a lot on uh, the Incomparable podcast, which uh, which I host every week as well. But uh, I, I thought it would be fun for us to talk about uh, computer things and technology things. Uh, so thank you for filling Mike's shoes. Um, Left and right. Very comfortable, Mike. Thank you. Here's how this uh, show usually starts, is we have some follow-up. <laughs> so I'm going to do some follow-up now. Um, listener Jeremy wrote in, uh, we were talking about uh, me recording last week from Arizona, uh, where I was on assignment with my family, um, and the, the uh, he was asking if I could use in this two iOS device method that I used to record the podcast, where I was recording on my iPhone while talking on Skype and also looking at the show notes and things on my iPad. Uh, and listener Jeremy said, uh, couldn't you use uh, a USB interface and a splitter to push audio between the devices for a fairly, fairly seamless recording? And I, I thought this was a good point. You could probably bodge something together that would allow the uh, mic input from the iPad to be or from the what from Skype to split and go into a different mixer. Um, and then have the, and this is my point is you could probably figure it out, but I kind of don't want to do that. It worked fine. I, um, anybody who's used like a blue snowball or something like that, it was the same experience. You can't hear your own voice isn't kind of fed back to you, which is a more pleasant thing when you are podcasting. You can tell when you're too loud or too soft or your peas are popping or anything like that. But, um, it was fine. And, uh, that's going to be my go-to remote, uh, recording thing now is to you know my iphone and my ipad if i don't have a mac around because i usually if i don't have a mac around i've got both of those around but it's not yet the dream which is that i could like uh dan you you did the um our star wars rogue one uh podcast for the incomparable in a conf in a in a in a conference convention center uh at at the seattle comic-con and it was one of those things where you know it turned out fine but i had to kind of patch you in from my recording of your voice and the dream would be uh in the future maybe ios 10 ios 11 who knows when but the dream would be that we would be able to do that and um and you would still have like a local high quality audio file to send me when when you were done um but we, we just aren't there yet and you weren't you know weren't juggling multiple ios devices while walking through a convention right. center <laughs> yeah i didn't have most of them on me i mean the problem with bringing an interface too is at that point have you really saved anything over bringing a mac yeah I mean, well like like especially like an 11 inch air or something which i know you've had in the past I do. like yeah, that's that's not that much bigger, and in theory, then lets you do all those things. So, like, if your if your goal is just to have 
you know, less stuff to carry around. I feel like adding an interface into the mix means like, well, should I do that or just throw a laptop in my bag? I always uh, bringing my little USB box with me, but this would be a second one, right? It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a lot of boxes. That's probably it's probably too many, but um, but anyway, the dream the dream is alive. Uh, we'll keep watching it. You know, we will. Um, another one. This is this is in the category of I love things that come in when Mike is not around that I get to talk about. Uh, listener Reed sent in a link. Uh, there were a bunch of these going around. This was a link to a. Verse article about um, uh, some uh, items uh, that Apple has been dropping in frameworks and in documents on its website referring to Mac OS instead of OS 10. And this was a Mac OS in a technical document uh, with a capital M for Mac, um, but closed up. Uh, and there's much speculation that we've had, and I've been talking about it for like a year now, and Phil Schiller lent a lot of credence to it when he talked to John Gruber and, and said that there was sort of me- a method to Apple's madness with iOS and, and tvOS and watchOS. Um, so uh, as Listener Reed says, could it be that hashtag Jason was right about macOS changing? What do you guys think about um, about having OS ten and the Big X kind of fade away and go go back actually to <laughs> calling it Mac OS. Uh, I think we can all agree Mike was wrong. Yes. Well, sure. We should no do that because he can't defend himself. So absolutely. Exactly. Although I do think the the X. So the X was stood for ten, right? Because mm-hmm. OS nine yes. was before Roman OS numerals. Ten. People love right? Roman numerals. It's true, and it's been stuck at ten for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I feel like there is a chance for Apple. If I were working in Apple marketing, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast. Uh, mm. But I would also be uh, ch- champing at the bit to have something new to uh, brand around because OS X is kind of it's getting a little long in the tooth from a branding perspective. Yeah. I imagine my my daughter is a is a is a freshman in high school, and uh, the X predates her existence. <laughs> so it's been a <laughs> long time now. Yes. Well, in fact, it's been almost as long. I mean, the original Mac OS, so 1984 to what, 2001, when OS 10 came out. On, OS 9 because there was the public beta, and and OS 9 was still there. And they had the funeral at what point? Like 2002, maybe. <laughs> yeah, at 2003, somewhere in there. And so, I mean, we're approaching that plan. I mean, it's 15, it's 2002 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was what 18 years, I guess, and yeah. we're at 15 years with yeah. OS 10. That's pretty close. Very close. At this point. X X was a big thing too, like just the icon iconography of an X. I feel like that was back when like you know when e the e prefix and the i prefix uh, that we have now used so often it was like hip and extreme, totally you know? extreme. And, and now yeah exactly. and now it's been it's kind of old now so and I I think what's interesting to me about it is you know a lot of people were sort of saying. Well, if they want to keep things consistent, we've got lowercase tvOS, lowercase iOS, lowercase watchOS. Maybe it'll be lowercase macOS. And I was on that train too. But when it seems like every time they put it in print, it's with capital M, which I think is probably because unlike TV, watch, and the letter I, those are all generic. Whereas Mac is actually like a trademark and like a specific thing. So maybe that's yeah. the rationale for making that capitalized. Is it's not generic like TV or watch. And none of us think that they're going to like turn all of the Mac products into lowercase. Like get your iMac no. and it's a lowercase i, lowercase m. It's like that's not <laughs> going to happen. It would be that's a gimmick. Yeah, E. Cummings Computer it's like Company. A mimic, but it's a computer. That's true. And uh, wouldn't they be? Uh, no, I'm not a, a trademark lawyer. Uh, I should yeah. point out. What? But, You're fired uh, again. <laughs> darn it. Uh, but I feel like. Podcast? I, I just opened Skype and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a have to. Uh, 
But if they start referring to it as lowercase m, I feel like that then uh, they could lose their trademark right and it could become – like Kleenex has this problem where they are like, no, we're not uh, a generic brand. We are a brand and it means a lot of stuff and it's our – we own it. So don't – and Xerox famously also right. has this problem. So I, I'm sure Apple does not want to go down that route. Now, the Mac is capital M and they should stick uh, stick with it. Yeah, but that's good. That's People good don't talk about it. They also – like Macintosh as a word was, was, yeah. was pushed out of the branding sphere, mm-hmm. which is fine. But that that was a part of this same like Mac OS branding is that like they finally were like, look, we're not going to call it a, a, a power Macintosh. We're not referring it to it as a Macintosh computer with Mac as the cute name. Mac is the name. Mac OS is what it runs. It, it all it's all like there for the taking and it gets the X out of the way. So. I, I, yeah, iPhones and iPad and iPads running iOS makes sense. TV, Apple TVs running TVOS makes sense. Apple watches running watchOS. Macs running OS 10 has always been a little yeah. bit of an out. I mean, it was it was a little easier back in the day but now it seems like a total outlier i think i think it's a good thing if they're going to go back to mac os and hey i love the classic mac os i feel like it's a uh, it's bringing a little bit of that back yeah yeah. All right. Get rid of this multitasking. <laughs> That's right. I want to set my <laughs> no memory more, partitions no app by app. <laughs> oh, RAM disks, everybody. Here's how you do it. You get info, and then you edit the number in the bottom of the get info box to how much memory you think the app will need. And then you close the window, and you open the app and hope that it's okay. That is... It was a, it was a better time. Yeah. Simpler. In, in its complexity. How do you guys feel about managing uh, startup items? Oh, that's the it. best. Conflict catcher. Let's bring that back, <laughs> yes. too. Okay. So basically what we're saying is if you don't remember any of that time, don't worry about it. Uh, Jason was right. Sorry, Mike. You're not here. So uh, it, next, uh, I get to defend something Mike said. So that's fun. Um, somebody whose name I didn't put down. Oh, well. Uh, said, did Mike really say that there are more devices with force, with the Force Touch trackpad than with 3D Touch? Because you can do the math of iPhone sales versus Mac sales. And I can't. while I can't speak for Mike, uh, he's not here, so I will speak for Mike. He, uh, I think he meant percentage of the install base. So when we're talking about that, I think that there are more Macs with Force Touch uh, percentage-wise or capable, especially since you can just buy an accessory and give yourself Force Touch, than uh, the percentage of existing uh, iPhones that are out there that uh, have have 3D Touch. That's not how the Force Touch works. Yeah, I knew it was (laughs) happening. That's That's a Star Trek reference, right, Dan? Uh-huh. You can't just troll me because Scott is here. That's can, just actually. Uh, That's exactly sweet. why I control you. Uh, and one more bit of follow-up. Listener Morgan wrote in and said, we, we were complaining about uh, so many iPad Pro apps in the App Store show iPhone preview screenshots, which is dumb. And uh, we had no answer. It was a question that somebody asked. And we were like, boy, the answer is it's a bug and it's dumb. Um, but Listener Morgan points out that, that uh, Listener Morgan's app has pro screenshots that you see. So it sounds like what's happening is if the developer doesn't submit iPad Pro screenshots, the App Store is showing iPhone screenshots, which is still a bug because it, if there are iPad screenshots to be had, even of the uh, non-pro version, the non-big pro version, that would probably be worth seeing. But uh, but it will display them apparently if they've been submitted by the developer. So says. Listen now I'm more. picturing. I'm picturing. Remember when the iPad came out and it would run iPhone apps, but in like. <laughs> Either in 2X or like in native size, but really small. I'm picturing a native size iPhone app running on an iPad Pro. It's like just giant black bezel everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. Or, or just, sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, just run it run it in one-to-one, right? So it's just giant black and then you can't touch any of the little touch targets because they're way too small. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that's just, uh, you know, the App Store by default just shows iPhone 
Yeah, yeah. Probably, it could be. that's the most yeah. prevalent iOS device. So it's like, well, if we have to pick one, iPhone. Well, probably, and the logic was probably if I don't have the iPad screenshots, the screenshots from this class of device, I'm going to just default to iPhone because there were only sort of two two size classes of device. I guess I don't know what the behavior is in terms of like if you've got a you know the five that like a six and are there screenshots for five. Mm-hmm. size screens and do they is there like a cascade there that happens i don't know i'm sure developers know all about it because i imagine if you're an app developer you're probably uh, nodding along and saying yes i have to take screenshots on like five different devices and upload <laughs> them horrible uh, all right um that's the end of the follow-up uh so we got we've got very exciting topics to talk about with our our special guest but i want to uh, stop for a moment and tell you about one of our sponsors this episode of upgrade is brought to you by pdf pen pro from smile software now pdf pen is the swiss army knife for pdfs um in fact pdf pen pro is uh like two swiss army knives put together or something it's got so many tools it, you couldn't uh you you could squeeze it in your pocket but you got to have a big pocket that's how much stuff is packed into pdf pen pro uh lets you add signatures edit text and images perform ocr on scanned documents export to microsoft word format because some people are like pdf i don't know what this thing is give it to me in microsoft word because some people only understand uh office file formats i don't know why but they're like that and don't anger them or they'll they'll cut you um, only with pdf pen pro can you create an interactive pdf form build a table of contents set document permissions convert websites to multi-page pdfs they allow you easy export you know not just word microsoft excel microsoft powerpoint there are people in the world um, in certain places who only understand things if they're in a powerpoint so you can get them in a powerpoint uh, right from a pdf using pdf pen pro and of course pdf archive formats are also supported you can even uh Add tooltips to your PDFs for voiceover accessibility. The list goes on and on. It's an incredibly powerful piece of software. Um, I find myself needing to do things with PDFs all the time. I was just building something the other day for the nonprofit that I, I'm on the board for. We were doing a, an evaluation, and I had a bunch of charts and stuff like that. And I decided I wasn't going to send everybody a Microsoft Office document. I was going to send them a PDF. I hope none of them come to me and demand a Word file instead, because that would make me very sad. Anyway, you can try. There's a free demo, so you can try it today and see whether you're going to like it or not by visiting Smiles software.com slash upgrade that's smilesoftware.com slash upgrade for a free demo of pdf pen pro it requires yosemite or later works great on el capitan so thank you so much to smile for sponsoring this show and all of relay fm i don't know what those people they just demand those office file formats it's just the world we live in uh big size so uh so so scott Scott, my the impetus for me uh, inviting you on was because there is a new Kindle on the way. What? Yeah. So, did you have you not heard? I, <laughs> no. I, I, I'm sure that you've already ordered it, even though you haven't heard of it. If they if I they put it, up a button that was like, "There's going to be a new Kindle," we could tell you about it in a week or so. But if you'd just like to order it now, click this button. You'd click the button, right? I, I would click the button. I've often thought that uh, Amazon should just give me a subscription yeah. to whatever Kindle <laughs> yeah. comes out. I'll just. <laughs> kindle prime or something and i'll just i'll sign up for it and they come and 
I won't question it. That's actually kind of a great idea, like like a phone, uh, like a, a phone uh, contract kind of thing. Like every two it's years, you get the new Kindle, or or every year, whatever. One of the listeners has suggested an Amazon dash button for Kindles in the <laughs> chat room, which I think is that's a niche that's product, brilliant. but I think one that Scott will use. Yeah, it's true. I don't have any of the dash buttons. I've been tempted, but uh, I I don't have any products. I don't buy any products. So that for people who don't know, the dash button is this is this weird Amazon thing um, where. Uh, you get a button that's got like the name of a brand on it, like all detergent or Tide or, you know, whatever else. Um, and uh, when you are out of that thing, you press the button and it automatically connects to your Wi-Fi and places an order for that thing at Amazon. So it's like literally just you stick it where you store your paper towels. And when you run out of paper towels, you press the button and paper towels appear in the next couple of days at your door. Um, it's pretty... Jason. Weird. I, I don't want to buy anything sold or processed or process anything sold or bought or any of that. So I, I'm not a dash button guy. Unless it brings me burritos. All right. I'll refer everybody to our Say Anything episode of Mike at the Movies for that. Um, yeah. So, so, so the, but the new Kindle, it's the Kindle Oasis. And it's interesting because um, it's a, it's like a, $290 product. It comes with a case. It is like the, the ultra premium luxury Kindle, if there could Ooh, be such a thing. With leather. With leather, of course, because that makes it ultra premium. Rich Corinthian leather. Now, we should start by explaining uh, our Kindle backgrounds here. I have bought I have bought, I think, essentially one model from every generation of Kindle. I haven't bought, like, when they upgraded the kind of base model of the Kindle and they already had the paper white out. I, I didn't go back and also buy the base model of the Kindle. But I feel like in, in every generation, I have a Slayer is born. Uh, and also, I have bought a Kindle. So... Um, <laughs> So I uh, I returned the first generation one because I didn't think it was good enough, and the but the second one I kept, and I I gave that to my uh, I gave the second and third generation Kindles to my my parents at one point, and then my mom gave them back to me when she switched to the iPad because she said she wasn't using her Kindle, and I gave them to my in laws, and they liked them so much that after about a year they went and bought paper whites. Um, so and Scott, my understanding is that you have have literally bought like every e reader ever released. Is that is that accurate? That is. Inaccurate. Oh, but, uh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I have bought so my my Kindle journey starts because I uh, I saw a, a show that was talking about e ink and I thought, oh my god, that's crazy. Uh, and then uh, Sony at that time was the only uh, big player in ebook readers, so I bought one of the Sony's e readers, uh, a PRS five oh five. If catchy, people, the Sony people. I know Sony. They're so great with branding. Um, <laughs> the hardware. Fantastic. This, it was nearly impossible to get a book onto this thing, though, uh, which made it a little uh, less useful. And then about a week later, Amazon announced the Kindle uh, at the time. I think they cost like $400. Uh, and the, the reader, the Sony reader, also cost $400. Uh, so I bought the Kindle. Uh, and it was vastly superior in that I could actually get a book onto it yeah. easily. <laughs> Uh, which was, you know, mind blowing. That's what what you'd sort of expect from a company that's trying to sell you books, instead of the company that Sony that's just trying to sell you the e-reader. That's <laughs> and right. Walk away. Uh, and then, yeah, that's what they did. And I was like, I can't, I can't use this thing. Uh, the so the so the Kindle, the first Kindle had a weird design, uh, and, which I kind of like. And this the the Oasis has some echoes of that same design actually. Mm. Um, 
But uh, And then I've bought a bunch of Kindle since then. I wrote a book about the Kindle that was available only on the Kindle, which seemed like uh, an error on my publisher's <laughs> part, but they wanted to try it. So <laughs> we did it. Nobody bought it. Uh, I bought a follow. I, I wrote a follow-up book about the Kindle that actually came out in print that sold a little bit better. Uh, I have a Kobo. I have some Kobos. I have a couple of Nooks. Uh, I like e-readers. Is, uh, is Yes. So you don't necessarily have all of them. Did you ever – you bought a Kindle DX, didn't you? I have two Kindle DX. Someone tweeted me and said, hey, Scott, do you have a Kindle DX? And I said, no, I have two Kindle DXs because <laughs> they came out with two versions. Uh, so much like you, Jason, I buy kind of the whatever the newest Kindle is of right. the generation. Uh, so I don't have like the $50 uh, or $40 entry-level Kindle uh, or $80. I don't even know how much it costs. Uh, but it's crap. Because I've used it, don't don't buy it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, so I have the usually the top of the line one. Um, I had the I had the first of those sort of keyboardless Kindles that they made with the page turn buttons, and that that's essentially I think what the what that that low end Kindle is now is 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 that, but it's not. Mm, no, I don't. Um, Lauren good. left it in the seat back pocket of an airplane once, and I was like, that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but the. The low end Kindle does not actually have buttons, so uh, no, not, any, not anymore. It's it's, not anymore. it's worse now. <laughs> it is Yay. worse. They got rid of the buttons. Yeah, and for a long time it was interesting because I was stacking up my Kindles uh, in preparation uh, and looking at how they have evolved throughout time. Uh, and so the first Kindle had lots of buttons, and it had this weird silver rolly thing and big flappy buttons, uh, turn buttons. And then the next one had you know slightly fewer buttons. They just kept progressing to less and less buttons and now the uh, latest premium kindle the buttons are back the buttons it's are back crazy. It, it, well there it are is. two of them but it's better than better than none right that's true um, i now, think that it's the only kindle so the voyage has those page press things which are kind of like buttons but they're not really buttons uh which are an improvement i think but i think i'd like a button yeah, actual physical button, not not a, a an area on the screen where if you press hard enough, it slightly vibrates and the page turns. Yes. It's not quite a button. It's no. like they're like, what if we gave you something that wasn't a button but acted like a button? Nope, <laughs> nope, that's not that's not it. Now, I Dan, see what you're going for, but Dan, like what's your what's your history with Kindles? It, this you just bought a Paperwhite. Is that your first Kindle? I did. No, that's my second Kindle. Okay. Uh, I up until that point, I've had for many years the. I, I don't know, remember what generation it is. Maybe Scott will know. It's the one that has the little D-pad on the bottom. It was the low-end Kindle at one point. I think prior to this most recent incarnation. It has physical it have page the, turn buttons. Does it have the keyboard? It doesn't have an is actual it, keyboard. It, it has okay. a Kindle keyboard. 4? Does it have the little yeah, D-pad and then like four buttons? Yeah, two yeah on like each a side? back button, a home button, a keyboard yep. button. That's yeah. the one that Lauren it's, left in the seat back pocket. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you did know, you? Were you on my flight, Dan? Did you get that from the seat back pocket? I, I was a free Kindle. I don't know. I don't ask where it came from. No, uh, I bought it uh, a few years ago, and just when at that point when I think it was so cheap, I was like, oh, you know what? I, I've kind of been interested in checking out a Kindle. I'll just buy this one because it's it's really very affordable, uh, and I really liked it. I've you know read many books on it. Uh, I have a nice case for it. And, you know, it served me pretty well, but I think I re the other day, um, what, a week or two ago, the Paperwhite and a bunch of the other Kindles were on sale right before they announced the Oasis for real. Um, and I thought, well, you know, everybody raves about the Paperwhite. I know it's the wire cutter's recommendation and everybody seems to really like it. So it was like, you know, under a hundred bucks. So yeah. Like, oh, you know what? It's time to upgrade. It's time to upgrade. So I, I bought the Paperwhite and I really enjoyed it so far. 
Um, I'm I'm currently in the market for a case for it, but it's my second Kindle. I really appreciate. I think the biggest thing for me is I really enjoy reading on the e-ink screen, as I think you know Scott was alluding to. It's I find it more pleasurable than reading on the iPad, at least for books. And I think the big advantage of the Paperwhite for me is that really that higher quality screen. I don't know what the resolution of the older Kindle is, but it is clearly not as good uh, as the 300 DPI screen on the Paperwhite. So I've yeah. been very pleased with that because I find that text very sharp and very, you know, much more, you know, close to a printed book page. So I've really been enjoying that. I like the, how simple it is. I mean, I know there are some people go back and forth on whether they like the touchscreen versus the physical buttons. And I can see the appeal of the physical buttons, but the touchscreen on that is totally fine for me. Uh, and it, the software is miles better than the on the fourth generation kindle was that's the one where they just recently i think said like you have to upgrade to this version of the software otherwise you know you'll never get upgrades anymore you die. yeah <laughs> uh, if you die in the kindle you die in real Uh-oh. life mm-hmm. um, that's true. and that's no good so uh you know having the the latest version of the software is definitely a lot more modern hey look pictures of the books that i'm reading rather than just like a, a an itemized list of books on my kindle um, but that old one, I think, is going to go to my mom, who has never really used a Kindle. Um, she has an iPad, but she doesn't really read ebooks at all. I mean, granted, she's also a former librarian, so she tends to get a lot of stuff out of libraries, which like you can do, obviously, with the Kindle. But they they go to the library a lot. So I'm going to. I asked her if she wanted, and she kind of waffled about it. And said, "Yeah, I, I guess I should check it out." So I'm going to get her that one, and if she enjoys it and uses it enough, then we'll we'll bump her up to something nicer. So uh, let's so let's talk about the Oasis. Uh, it's it's an it's an interesting product. It is the the Paperwhite is remaining around the Voyage, which was the high end model before, uh, which I've got here. Uh, is uh, and, and Scott, we talked about that the last time. I think you were on upgrade. We talked about the Voyage because it had mm-hmm. just come out. It's it's um I I so I I have the Paperwhite and uh, and the Voyage here, and I'm reminded that the Voyage is nicer than the Paperwhite, and I think the story <laughs> is not that the Voyage is 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 bad in any way. It's just. Uh, while it's nicer than the Paperwhite, it is hard for me to recommend it to people over the Paperwhite because uh, the Paperwhite's a lot cheaper and it's, you know, you're paying, what are you paying for? Those funny like squeeze, the squeeze the bezel feature and the fact that it's, <laughs> that the screen is a little bit recessed on the Paperwhite and it's totally flat on the Voyage. I mean, and the Voyage is a little smaller. There are things about it that are a little bit nicer, but I can never in good conscience uh, recommend it over the Paperwhite for most people because it's just, you know, it's a... Uh, it, it, it's it's mostly the same, and the refinements for most people, I doubt, are worth the extra money. But here comes the Oasis, which is doing it again, right? It's like even higher up there at two ninety. Granted, you get the case with it, and the case has a battery in it, so it can charge the you know charge the Kindle and give it a very very long battery life. And instead of having it be a separate purchase, so the the case price is kind of rolled into there. But it's super thin. It's got physical buttons. The screen appears to be basically this 300 DPI screen that has not has not evolved in the last couple of years. Uh, they say the backlighting is better, or the side lighting, whatever it is. It's different technology from a, a, a backlight because it's a reflective screen. So, you know, Scott, what do you think about about the Oasis? Where does it where does it fit, and why does it exist? 
Well, I think I saw you uh, maybe in Slack or on Twitter uh, talking about how you were disappointed that it's the same screen as the the Voyage because you were hoping, I imagine, as everyone was hoping, that it would be higher resolution. Uh, but if Kindle, Apple, Amazon uses uh, – I just named a bunch of brands. Uh, <laughs> Amazon <laughs> uses the uh, e-ink, which is the name of a company, yes. displays, right? And so this is – I think it's the Pearl maybe. This is their highest end screen that they make. Uh, so it's not too surprising that yeah, they haven't they screen. haven't come out with a 600 DPI e-ink, not yet. Mm-hmm. And I yet. imagine I'm sure they're feverishly working on it. Uh, and there are some people in uh, on the Kindle web, which I don't know if that's a thing or not, but now it is. Uh, we're hoping that uh, it would be uh, a color screen because Amazon a couple of years ago bought a company called Liqua Vista, which uh, makes this. Uh, color screen that is low power consumption. It's reflective. It uh, uses a different technology than e-ink. It uses electro wetting, which sounds dirty, but it isn't. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been to a few electro weddings. They're usually quite fun affairs. <laughs> it's true. Uh, just bring your uh, wetsuit. Uh, and so so people were – there was a lot of – as with all these things, you know, Jeff Bezos tweeted this uh, thing that said, hey, we're going to have a new Kindle next week. And everybody suddenly had their dream Kindle in their mind that they were hoping would come out. Uh, the biggest one, I think, is waterproof. Everybody wants a waterproof mm. um, Kindle. Uh, even just Jeff Bezos, right, famously reads his Kindle in his bathtub in a Ziploc bag, which <laughs> seems weird. But hey, it works. I've done it. It works. He's a, he's a supervillain, guys. It's okay. It's true. He is on a rocket as he's doing it. So... Uh, <laughs> So I think that Amazon is just doing this thing where they create a high-end product that will then trickle down the technology into uh, other lower-end products. Uh, and this is made for people who, like you and I, Jason, just buy whatever the latest Kindle <laughs> mm-hmm. is because we're excited about the technology and we really use our Kindles a lot. Uh, and so any any slight improvement is welcome because I use – probably of all my devices, I use my phone the most – and then probably my Kindle second to most because I'm staring at it as I'm reading a book. Yeah. Uh, and anything that makes it a more pleasant experience and basically makes the Kindle go away uh, because you just want to be lost in a book is worth it in my opinion. Uh, but I am not a normal consumer. So much like you, Jason, I wouldn't recommend the Oasis to someone who is just kind of a casual ebook it, reader because it's, it's, it's for weirdos. Expensive. It's for weirdos like us, basically. <laughs> it is for weirdos like us, uh, and for a way for Amazon to fiddle around with stuff and see what is working and what isn't. Uh, it was interesting. They had this press event, uh, and and they kind of outlined what their goal was. And their goal with the Kindle is to create a piece of paper on which you can read any book ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if, you, if you're thinking in that term, then the Oasis makes a lot of sense because they're just trying to get rid of everything other than the screen. Uh, and they also did some research about how long it takes to turn a page. And when you're moving your thumb, it takes a little longer than if it's just right by the page turn button. So they brought the yes. buttons back to make it uh, just kind of – they want the device to disappear and you to just read, you know, see the story and whatever you're reading. Uh, and so I think that's what the Oasis is kind of a distillation of this, this philosophy of theirs. Uh, and they're charging a lot of money because I think weirdos like us are going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, and, and there are, there, there's a market. And I, I do think that, um, tech nerds also like us, uh, often will, uh, will roll their eyes at, at the Kindle. They're not listening now. They forwarded to the next chapter already. <laughs> but because right. um, uh, I'm editing this episode, there'll be chapter markers in it. Pro tip, I, I add chapters. Ooh. Mike doesn't. That's how you can tell who edited the episode of anything. So um, the... Right, because it's a single-use device, right? And everyone's like... Yeah, you, but I, I just use your iPad. My right? iPad, yeah. Or What's your iPhone. 
And and the answer is that the LCD LCDs even now. Um, I took the the new you know less reflecty iPad Pro 9.7 inch outside in the in the sunlight and and you know even in like the shade of the tree in my backyard and it's like it's not as good because there's it's a lot less contrast because it's having to shine a bright light through the screen in order to get the uh, images to hit your eye and uh, it's different when it's the ambient light just reflecting off of essentially you know the equivalent of a piece of paper and, and also it doesn't send me push notifications about things yeah, that are going that's... on. That's the thing, and yes. it sounds crazy because we're all used to having devices that do all these things. But when I'm reading a book on my Kindle, I am not tempted to, oh, I should check Twitter or check my email. I feel like I do. It does let me zone into like what I'm doing on the Kindle, which is reading a book. And I want to be immersed and engaged in that. And so I'm not jilted out every 30 seconds when a new tweet comes in or something like that. So I think there's a there's a virtue to that. I mean, I think a lot of people pattern this thinking like, well... The iPod was like a single a single use device, and we all saw what ended up with the iPod. But I I don't think the you know the iPod. It's hard to argue that the the iPhone has not been and smartphones in general haven't been just you know innately superior in ninety nine percent of the ways to the iPod. You know there are some advantages to having a single use music player, but they're pretty slim. Uh, I think the iPad and and such have not reached the same level of uh, superseding essentially with the with Kindles and ebook readers, they don't have all of the advantages, or mm. at least the things that they have as advantages. You know, they lack sort of those killer advantages, like the ability to read in sunlight and super. You know, the screens, the ink screen, etc. So, yeah, I I don't think this follows necessarily the pattern of the iPod, uh, but I can understand why a lot of people feel like, oh, it must be it must be superior to have a multifunction device. But in this case, it might be more of a toaster fridge. Yep, that's true. And I mean, I think Kindle is obviously for people who read pretty frequently, right? If you read a book or two a year, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you shouldn't be wasting your money on a Kindle. No. Uh, just buy those two books or go to the library yeah. and be done with it and be happy with your iPad. Or read them on your iPad. That's fine. Uh, the Kindle isn't for you. Uh, every product doesn't need to be for everybody. Right. And I think I do think that in the uh, in the rubric of analysis of tech nerds, there is always the, you know, there is always the single de- single use devices are silly. And there's also this idea that, um, and it's a black and white device, like why do we why do we care? And I'm not sure a lot of those people are are in the target demographic of something like a Kindle, which is, um, you know, when I've talked to people about about Kindle use, the demographic is very different. Um, this is a, a, you know, on some level, a cutting edge technology product that is, uh, you know, used by way more women than than uh, men, I believe. And it's a much older skewing audience than especially your average like iPad or uh, or or smartphone. And it's hitting the reader market, which is traditionally older and and more female um and that market loves it right i mean it, it, it's not a tech nerd product necessarily it's a tech product and so it's easy for tech nerds to disparage it and be like ah whatever it's a kindle it's irrelevant and it's it's really not and um every time i go on a on a trip somewhere and i'm out by the pool or or walking along a beach or something like that there are kindles everywhere so it's one of these things that i think we get um we get uh too deep down in tech talk and and lose track of the fact that there are a lot of people who are not like in the tech conversation who love 
uh, these products because they are avid readers and it's a product for for avid readers. So that, I, I, I still kind of would like to see a color ink. Display. I mean, they've worked on those for mm, years and they're very they're very hard to do. But, I don't I, mean, I don't want color on my I mean, if it was if it was literally perfect and and no worse and ideally better in every other way and it had color, I guess I'd be OK with it. But my concern is it's going to be a step back in order to give us color. Yes, and no, I don't we, need color in my you know, in my in my plain text on a page, which is mostly what I'm reading on a Kindle. Sure. And if if I were a betting man, I think we would see the color e-ink display on a Kindle Fire-like devices, and they would keep the Kindle, uh, the black and white e-ink for a while until it got to parity, or better, actually, right? Because to Jason's point, I I don't think color needs to be better. And not as it needs to be better, I mean, I don't think it would work very well even on the Fire, because all the other stuff you want to do on that, probably it probably wouldn't be good enough to do, say, video, right? But it might be good enough to render, say, graphic novels. The the LiquaVista display is all about playing video. Uh, that's that's what that's they weird. designed it for. I mean, it's still not good enough to be in production, but that's what their their goal is uh, to to make it a perfect uh, low power consumption video playing screen. Hmm. Uh, Strange. Well, um, technology is weird. So I, I also wanted to talk about, and this this is uh, for people who are still with us and uh, and uh, want to hear us talk about Apple a little bit. Uh, I I got a little um, when Scott was describing uh, the the march of the buttons off of the Kindle. I had a Steve Jobs moment because famously, you know, this is why Steve Jobs wore pullovers as he hates buttons. Ha! Ah! Um, he there was that iPod Shuffle that had no buttons. Um, the war on buttons is real, people, um, and Amazon. <laughs> was fighting it too they had the power button and then they 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 dropped all of the other buttons that used to be page turn buttons and a home button that were physical buttons and with the paper white there are no buttons so on dan's screen if dan wants to churn turn the page he needs to tap or swipe uh to do that and on the voyage you can like i said uh squeeze the bezel in the designated places to go forward or back and it gives you a little a little haptic buzz and it turns the page um but uh but with the with the oasis they are not only bringing back physical buttons but um they've expanded the bezel on one side it's this kind of uh asymmetric thing where the bezel is wider on one side but i actually kind of love it uh in in theory because i haven't actually played with it yet um because one of the problems with the uh the way that the voyage is set up is uh the bezel is so narrow that when you squeeze the little button um, you risk tapping the touchscreen next to the little button, which I can't tell you how many times I've squeezed the page back button, but my thumb has grazed and I've gone like two pages back or two pages forward or or, or just by resting my thumb on the button but not squeezing it yet, my, my thumb makes contact with the edge of the screen and it, and it turns the page when I don't want to. It's just there's a, there's a hardware usability problem that it looks like they're recognizing when they make this uh, when they made the expanded bezel on one side of the, of the Oasis. So it feels like they're actually paying attention to how people use their product, which is good, and that they realize that physical buttons provide a level of feedback that no little haptic uh, that in, embedded in the Kindle can do. I feel like they got so much grief for the original industrial design of the Kindle that they were like, fine, we're going to make it look better. Who cares how it works? It'll, it'll look like, you know, every other, you know, black slab in your yeah. life uh, and you'll be happy. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we realize actually for a Kindle, 
maybe it shouldn't be like every other black slab in your life and it should ha- maybe have a weird shape because you're holding this thing in one hand generally and having a larger uh, bezel so that your thumb doesn't graze the screen that happens to me all the time as well Jason is actually a good thing it may look kind of weird in product shots yeah. uh, but that's why in almost every one of their product shots somebody's holding the darn thing mm-hmm. because you want to they want you to see that yes it may look weird because it's got kind of this uh, big bulbous battery thing and a thin uh, thin on one side and thick on the other uh, but that's because you're going to hold this in your hand dummy uh, and, and that's the way <laughs> you should use it <laughs> Yeah, as, uh, yeah. As if we haven't spent all these years trying to, you know, design books to be held and read, right? Like, you know, yeah. Hey, books. Turns out there's a spine on only one side. Weird. Like we should make it symmetrical. The original Spines Kindle on both sides. Were, the Kindle. The original Kindle was just like that, yep. and people were like, "This is stupid, and I hate it." Yeah, there were baffling things about the original Kindle design. The one that always got me was that it was white. Um, yeah. and when you're using early generations of e-ink, where it essentially, if you can think back to this, Scott, and you've got one in front of you right now, so I know you can. Yeah, it was exactly. a sort of dark gray text on a medium gray background. It, the contrast <laughs> of the screen was not great. And then you have the bright white plastic bezel around it saying, this is how white it should be, but it's not. <laughs> and it was just, I don't know why they did that. And it took them so long to know. get to gray or black for the bezel where it, uh, it could, sh- you, it made your eye think that that gray background was was actually white. Um, so it, it there were lots of weird things about it. But yeah, I, I agree. I think they, w- they pushed it too far. Maybe they felt shame that they weren't fancy like so many other tech products were. And, um, you know, I think the physical buttons should be on every Kindle, not just the highest of the high-end ones. But um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, what do you make um, of, the, of including the case with that? Is that just a, a way to... Uh, force everybody to buy a case or is there more to that? And then the fact that it's got a, a second battery in it so you have weeks of and weeks of use. Well, I think this is uh, another, you know, obviously Amazon has a whole lot more data about how people use their Kindles than we do. Um, so I can only talk about how I use my Kindle. Uh, but when I'm tra- traveling, it is nice. I love my Kindle for the fact that I don't have to charge it very often, right? I also hate yeah. my Kindle because I don't have to charge it very often because I never think about charging it. Yeah. When I'm in the middle of a book, it says, hey, you need to charge your Kindle or it's going <laughs> to shut off. And I'm like, ah, where's the cable? I need to quickly Scott, do it. You just don't you just switch to another Kindle at that point? <laughs> well, I, I could do that as well. Uh, always have three Kindles at the ready for this. If you have one Kindle, you have no Kindles. If you have two Kindles, you have one Kindle. That's the rule. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I love the fact that so EEG, super low power consumption, you never have to charge these things until you have to charge them, I guess, which is true of everything that you have to charge. Um, <laughs> but it is. Uh, so the, the Kindle uh, Oasis, right, changes this. The actual device itself has a couple of weeks charge, which is still a long time and long enough to forget to charge it. Uh, but when you have the case, uh, which you have to buy, uh, it has a battery in it, right? And so they say that it lasts for months, yeah. which is great because when you're traveling uh, on your, you know, world, uh, going around the world, because uh, people still do that, right? For months sure. on end. Uh, you or you're hiking. Your you're hiking in the back country hiking? where there's no power. Exactly. And I, so I think of it less as a cover because I think, uh, and I haven't used one either, but I think what was going to happen is you'll have it in the cover as it's just kind of hanging out and then you're going to take the cover off when you're going to read. 
because uh, it makes it heavier and right. it's easy to take the cover off because it's magnets, right? So how do they work? Uh, so you pull them apart. It's a light Kindle. You drop the cover off and then when you're done, put the cover back on and it's charging. Uh, that's I, I imagine how they envision people using it and I think that's how I'll use it as well. So I think it's actually a really clever idea. Uh, I'm not sure there are some people who are like, oh, maybe there'll be a whole bunch of other accessories that will use this because it has like a much like the smart uh, – whatever the heck Apple calls the smart connector charger. smart connector. There you go. Thank you, Dan. Uh, it has the same kind of dealio. So perhaps, perhaps there'll be more accessories for it. I don't know if that's true or not. Cause Amazon changes the Kindle form factor radically every time. Yeah. So it seems like it is not long for the world, but maybe that will show up on the fire and more stuff will be there for the fire. I don't know. Uh, but I think it's a clever idea. The one thing I don't like about the, the cover I have for my Kindle Voyage, I have the origami cover, yeah. which I love, which turns the cover, it's a cover and a little stand, so I can just put it on a table or whatever. Uh, and they have a leather version of it. And I was kind of hoping that the the Kindle battery cover Oasis thing, whatever they call it, uh, would have the origami feature, but it does not. So that was kind of a bummer. Alas. Scott, well, here's a question for you, Scott. You have, since you have so many Kindles, what is your, what is your daily reader Kindle? Which, which one do you carry with you? Which one do you travel with? Do you switch or do you have just one that's sort of like your, your default use? Uh, well, I enjoy Kindles, but the previous generation Kindles have no worth for me. So it's a Kindle <laughs> voyage or nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause why would I want to use a crappier Kindle? Uh, <laughs> I like them as a historic oddity, but, uh, I'm never going to use my first generation Kindle to actually read anything. No, I don't advise it. I don't advise it. And that's, that's what I do too. I've got, Lauren's got the old paper white and I've got the, I've got the voyage and, and that's, that's absolutely what I, what I would use. You know, the thing that, that, uh, really bugs me is that they still do, even on this high end one, they still do the special offers thing and then you have to pay like mm-hmm. 20 bucks yeah. to remove the ads mm-hmm. from the from the, and then sometimes the offers are good but but it's just like you turn off your kindle and there's like an ad there um yeah. but what really bugs me is even if i pay i don't get to i don't get to choose the screensaver um i have to use amazon stock images on the screen and i i still am baffled about why they haven't made it so that you could like put your own images on there or have it show the cover of the book that you're currently reading yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. the kobo does that yeah well there there are hacks for the older models that will do that too um although i'm not sure whether the jailbreak uh has brought it up to date with the voyage it probably has the the they're always jailbreaking kindles believe it or not um and i had that for a while and it was a lot of fun but um it's uh, it's just it's annoying that not not only does the, does their base price include you know Kindle ads, Amazon ads, but um, when you pay to get it off, you still can't like customize it and personalize it in the way that you probably should. But and, I don't know. And they're they're bundling a cover with it, so you're not going to see. I can That's understand true. the ads with you know other Kindles that don't come with covers because it's the screensaver thing, right? So you're going to see the ad. Uh, but we have the cover. If a cover comes with the thing. The ad is going to be covered up most of the time. Yeah, so but but when you open it up, instead of auto unlocking and taking you where you want to be, it it instead right, you shows swipe. you the ad and you have to swipe, which is terrible. So, um, I, I wanted to mention my um my uh, uh it's the worst thing in life. It's the worst thing ever. Um, my my uh, Kindle case has worked with all of my preceding Kindle models because I don't have a case. I have a slip cover. Um, a like oh, neo like, like a an, uh, a fancy armchair. It's like a Kindle sock. <laughs> um, and it works great. It's a neoprene case that I bought for like my Kindle too, and I still use it because Kindles are all roughly the same shape and size, and it, it's worked so far. But I'm getting this new one, and it comes with a case, so I guess I'm using that now. Um, um, you don't have fine. to. 
Yeah, I just throw it away. Stupid battery case. Get out of my <laughs> life. Right. Suck for you me. And all you stand for. I want to mention one other thing, which is a weird uh, a weird thing that I did is I bought the um the this this crazy thing, the Pop Slate Two. Um, oh, for your iPhone, which I wanted to try. Yeah, which is it's an e ink screen in an iPhone case. And so you put it on the back and it's also a, uh, like a battery case too. But uh, the idea is that it, uh, your iPhone pairs with it and sends it data and you have e-ink like always on e-ink display on the back side of your iPhone. Um, and it's totally, seems totally impractical and it has no ebook solution, which basically means like, I think that I will need to, you know, convert, ebook files and load them on there for it to possibly work but i still think it's a cool um it's a it's a cool fun idea uh until we get to the point where phones uh you know can can be on all the time their screens and i know there's some some phones on uh android phones that will show you the they'll show you like the clock all the time but uh aren't there some android phones that have the e-ink second screen too i feel like there's one had one there there is i think there's one currently that that has a second screen on the back that is just e-ink and i always thought that was very clever so i decided that i would i would for 89 dollars i would try this ridiculous uh uh, e-ink display thing for my iphone so I'll, i'll report back to upgrade about that at some point but uh we should probably move on any final thoughts about kindles before we uh we go to the next topic I love them so much. I know. <laughs> I know. I'll put a. I'll, I'll put a picture. I'll put Scott's picture of his collection of Kindles in the show notes from his upgrade prep. And you can see the first generation Kindle. It's right there. Just look for the weird wedge shaped <laughs> button, and you will yes. know. There were there are many problems with the first generation Kindle. I don't want to. I don't want to overstate how much uh, uh, it was, how good it was. But there were some good ideas there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, they're, seriously, they're that's that, again. that's one of the very few products that I've ever bought and used for the whatever the twenty day the thirty day return policy. And about twenty days, and I'm like, nope, it's not. It's got to go back. <laughs> I so wanted to keep it, and I just couldn't. Um, anyway, so this episode of Upgrade also brought to you by the good people at IT Pro TV. If you've got a career plan that you want to set in motion, if you're wanting to start a career in IT or already working in the field, uh, Scott's an IT professional. Look at that. True. Maybe you could watch IT Pro TV. Certifications, credentials are often a key to getting a job or a promotion. Uh, their mission is education through engagement. They have up-to-date, high-quality video content and provide you access to the most important tools you need for technology certification. They've got more than 1,000 hours of content. 50 hours are being added every week. The courses are streamed live, just like uh, many podcasts are. And then they're also recorded and made available on demand. They work with all sorts of devices, Chromecast, Roku, PCs, Macs, iOS, and Android devices. They're now on the Amazon Fire TV and the fourth generation Apple TV as well. Course topics include Apple Certified Support Professional, Apple Certified Technical Coordinator, Amazon Web Services, Google Apps for Work Administrator, a whole lot more. They've got an ethical hacking class, security, cryptography, engaging tutorials. Everything is is transcribed so you can either watch from start to finish or jump to the part where you need to learn something or refresh your memory about something and then just watch that part. There are more than 100 step-by-step virtual machine labs and transcender practice exams and all of IT Pro TV is available for a single low monthly subscription price and they have a no hassle cancellation policy if you decide that you don't want it anymore. If you're studying with a book enrolled in a certification or degree program, it's a great supplement so you can learn at your own pace and track your progress. 
podcast. And if you're a working IT professional like Scott, you could use this as an ongoing resource to learn new stuff and keep your skills current. Corporate and group pricing is available. IT Pro TV's clients include Harvard, MIT, Stanford, and UCSD. That was in ascending order of excellence, UCSD being the best because I went to UCSD. And uh, you should check them out. ITPro.tv slash upgrade. Boost your brain with the most popular IT certifications. Premium subscriptions are normally $57 a month or $570 per year. But there's a special offer. You can try it free for seven days when you use our code UPGRADE30 to check out courses, live stream, and a whole lot more. And you'll get 30% off the lifetime of your account. Not just a trial, the lifetime of your account, 30% off. That tallies out to about $40 a month or $3.99 for the entire year. So thank you so much to IT Pro TV for sponsoring Upgrade. That's itpro.tv slash Upgrade. All right, our next topic, and, and the reason uh, that I invited Dan on the show today. See, I, uh, yeah, I know. We have to move on to Dan now. Nemesis, we're wow. moving to the left. We're moving to the left shoe now, right? Left shoe? Wow. Wow. Yes. Looks mm-hmm. like the shoes on the other host, McNulty. Oh. Um, so, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. Uh, so Dan is famously a fan of the Amazon Echo. I once added marshmallows to his shopping list while he was listening well, to an episode of Upgrade. At least once. <laughs> at least I've, I've done. I've turned off his light at one point with just remotely by a <laughs> podcast. This is this is like its own show, Jason. Yeah, I know. Um, so uh, and I just bought a, an Amazon Echo, and I just thought since we're talking about Amazon uh, Amazon Kindles and things like that, we should also probably talk about another you know we, we give amazon uh, a lot of grief for the fire phone which was a, a complete flop scott wrote a book about the fire phone too by I the do. way i have i have one of them on my desk right now look at that how do you feel about the fire phone i think that it was not as bad as people said it was although it is a perplexing product <laughs> yeah fair enough i mean just because people didn't buy it doesn't mean innately that it was bad it, it was it was i think there are lots of reasons people didn't buy it but yeah, lots uh, of reasons it's bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they're not necessarily all the same. It's the, but exactly. I, it has so, some interesting ideas. But uh, we we give them a hard time for products like that. But you know we've just been talking about Kindles, and then the Amazon Echo has was greeted or initially with raised eyebrows, I think, by people. But has really gained a lot of momentum in uh, people are talking about it, and a lot of uh, uh, tech people who poo pooed it originally have have uh, heard their friends who've had it have loved it, and they've come around. And that's that's really what happened with me, where Dan uh, kept praising it and i finally just kind of gave in and i and i got one um I, I, the, just give in i pressure. just do what dan says that's basically uh, it Scott, I, do, I should point out i also have an amazon Echo. i was not <gasps> i was going to ask you've got two two i, I do i think dan also has two so i yes. also have two i'm behind i'm behind the curve yeah. You are. As soon as it came out, I ordered it, and then it came, and my wife was like, what have you done? Why do we need this? <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean, that's that's the question we all asked, right? What have we done? <laughs> why do we yeah. Why do we need this? Do we need this? Where am I? Why am I in this handbasket? So why why mm-hmm. is the, uh, yeah, I, I just, why is the Echo so appealing when it seemed like it was p- potentially pointless early on? <laughs> well, I, I think that part of it is that it did seem pointless early on because it seemed like, okay, this is a thing that we can already do with our phones and our iPads. We've got Siri on all those voice-activated assistants. On the newer iPhones, you can even summon it without having to use the buttons. And I think, why, why, why would you need a thing that's stationary and lives in one room? And the answer is in part, A, because Amazon's implementation was very good, uh, especially on the hardware side, 
where even though and, and I live in a small apartment, but, you know, as Jason just sort of uh, intimated by the fact that he mentioned he can add stuff to my shopping list when I was listening to this podcast with my speakers on, uh, the Echo is very good at hearing things even multiple rooms away. And that's because of its microphone setup. Amazon's done a really good job making a device that's that lives up to its sort of usefulness. Right. We could all have imagined there was a device, you know, of this sort that just didn't work very well, but their execution was excellent. Uh, and I think, you know, comparative, especially to, you know, if you spent some time using Siri, especially on the Apple Watch, uh, it sometimes feels like the implementation there is less than excellent. Um, and well, I think it is. So, yeah, I think part of it was that Amazon did the did a really good job with this product. Uh, and that it ended up being more useful and more to the point they've ended up continually building in more and more new functionality along the way. So uh, I think that they it's weird because it doesn't fit into any convenient category, right? Like we all saw this device and we we're like, what is this? It's like yeah. a standalone Siri and a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> that sounds insane. <laughs> Uh, and it turns out that this is a product category that we didn't know that we wanted or needed. And I think more of the, you know, the, the sort of big factor here is that it feels very much like a computer that is, that is sort of in the air around you at all times. And there are times where that's exceptionally useful to have. Uh, you know, we, we, I, Scott over there, a big Star Trek fan. We are all used to the computer-activated voice interface, star, you know, computer from Star Trek, and something about that sort of translates, I think, to the Echo, which is kind of neat. Which is the idea that I, if my hands are full or I'm not near my phone or whatever, I can ask for some information and I can have it delivered to me, and usually pretty accurately. Uh, and so uh, that combined with some of the functionality Amazon's built in, the fact that they let you hook into outside third-party services. Uh, has made it surprisingly compelling. Uh, and I really, I found mine really useful. That's why I went out and bought a second one to play around with. Uh, my girlfriend, you know, when she was here, actually got really used to having it and playing the, you know, radio stations on that when we were cooking. And so she bought one for her own apartment. Uh, so uh, there's something very compelling about it. And as Jason said, many of the people that we know in different tech circles have sort of bought into it. And I think. I've heard from very few of them who haven't really enjoyed it in some way. Uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of people have been like, oh, I bought this thing and it was totally useless. A lot of them are like, yeah, kind of coming around on this being a really useful product. So I, I think voice is a very natural way to interact with technology, and we're only going to see more of that. Yeah. Scott, what about you? Do you, uh, have you? Have you been happy with your Echo? I have been very happy with my Echo, happier than I thought I would be. Mm. Uh, I bought it. Mostly because I buy gadgets, yeah, uh, and it was it was there, and I was like, it's kind of a cool idea. I don't know why I would need it, but uh, I'll buy it. And so I did. And Amazon, you know, they send you these things, and they're like, "Ooh, you're a special person here. You get early access to pre-ordering the Echo." And I'm like, I don't even know what an Echo is, but I'll order it. Uh, so I ordered it, and it showed up. And for a while, it wasn't really doing much for me. Uh, it was just kind of sitting there. Uh, but then I got it. To Dan's point about one of the th things that I think is great about it is that it just, you know, suddenly it knows how to do more stuff, uh, which is kind of frightening when you think about it, but very cool <laughs> in practice. Uh, and so before that, the other purchase that I had made was I decided that we needed Wi-Fi light bulbs in my house without mm -hmm. asking my wife. Uh, so yep, I got same. a whole bunch <laughs> of Wi-Fi light bulbs. Uh, and my wife was like – and I said, okay, Marisa, when you want to turn on the, the light – you can't use the switch anymore. Nope. <laughs> you have to get your phone out mm -hmm. uh, and use this app uh, and be on Wi-Fi. And it's super cool. And she looked at me like I was crazy. 
and she almost made me return them. Uh-huh. Because uh, they're also slightly dimmer than our other lights, which oh. she didn't like. But uh, anyway, but uh, long story short, uh, the Echo learned how to turn on our lights. And this has been like a, a, a wonderful thing in our life. And now Marisa will talk to me again because she really <laughs> likes that we can say, uh, uh, Alexa, turn on the living room and the lights come on. Uh, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, also one of the things that I like to do with the Alexa is, uh, and if people who have one, uh, I'm going to ask about how the weather is in your area. So Alexa, what's the temperature today? And then Alexa tells you what the temperature is and what the little forecast is. It's very helpful. You can also ask her how old celebrities are, uh, yes. which is one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually really enjoy that it hooks in with uh, TuneIn, which is a service that essentially streams radio stations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I frequently will be washing the dishes or cooking something, and I can just tell it to start playing our local NPR station, and it will just do that without any questions. Whereas um, it's a little trickier in Siri, uh, and it doesn't work as well. I, I also like, and I've mentioned this before in several places, uh, the Echo has one of the best Bluetooth implementations, uh, because once you've sort of paired your device and set it up, you can just say, connect my phone and it will connect your phone. And for anybody who's like turned devices on and off and worried about pairing Bluetooth devices, it's so much easier to just be able to say, do this and it's done at which point you know you can start playing your podcasts or whatever uh, i also like the hook in with prime music um, which may not have quite the breadth of catalog that say apple music does but for something that i got basically for free for already being a prime subscriber it's pretty darn good yeah uh, and we have pretty good <laughs> luck with saying you know uh, play this song or play this artist and sure enough there it goes goes off playing some you know johnny cash or what have you uh and so i think all of that is is super cool to not have to like navigate through multiple layers of like an interface to be like all right i'm gonna open apple music i'm gonna search for johnny cash i'll find the album i want yeah. oh, i guess i'll shuffle everything like you know <laughs> as easy as that all is it's funny that we're making fun of a smartphone interface for being super complex because the answer is well that's super advanced technology that actually makes things much easier than they used to be but but what's easier still is just telling your voice-activated robot to do this thing. Uh, yes, and, and I have yeah. uh, a bunch of Sonos speakers in my house, uh, which I love. I love Sonos. It's fantastic. It works very well. Easy to set up. Easy to use. Uh, it is not as easy as saying to your Echo, play NPR. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so when I came in to my house and Marisa was listening to NPR, she was in the kitchen. Our uh, Echo is in the living room, uh, and we have a Sonos in the kitchen, but she was listening to NPR on the Echo because it's just so much easier to say, play NPR, than open the Sonos app and then click, you know. I actually Even wish Sonos that sounds much better. I, I wrote a piece about this. I want Sonos, and, and they, they had a perplexing press release where they sort of said that they realized yeah. that sort of voice and streaming are where things are going, that I want, um, I want Sonos to make a deal with Amazon so that if I've got Sonos uh, speakers in my house, that I can tell them what to play from the Echo. Like just have the Echo and Sonos kind of all work together, and the the Sonos speakers are vastly superior to the Echo speakers. Even the Play One, yes. the, the little one that's roughly the same size as the Echo, is so much better as a speaker. And and you know you've got the one Echo. Uh, it, it would make sense for them to do some integration there. And Sonos has sort of Apple Music support. There are ways that this could really work well together. Um, and right now, you know, you can attach uh, an Echo, uh, the 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 little Echo, the Echo 
dot to a Sonos speaker that like the Play 5 that's got the audio in. But in the end, you know, you you now have a better speaker, but you're not using any of the Sonos features anymore. You've just turned your expensive Sonos speaker yeah, into, a, into dumb a dumb speaker, speaker, which is kind of not the point. <laughs> dumb speaker. Stupid speaker. Stupid speakers. Uh, so it's like, and, and this, I mean, I think, I think this is the problem with a lot of this home tech because I also love those features and just having, um, having, uh, that, um, echo in the in just the in the air of your house that any from anywhere you can just say a thing and it knows what you're doing and it and it has to be good at at telling you in words because uh unlike siri which often punts to the screen it was like i yep. i look this up for you and like i don't want to see that right now <laughs> uh, alexa can't do that uh, alexa has to tell you an answer yep. and sometimes it fails because this is still really early days of this stuff but um but the 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 frustration with a lot of this stuff is the lack of connectivity now i've noticed amazon is making a real effort to add more stuff to echo all the time and the uh they add there's this whole trigger system where you basically people third parties can write their own things and they're not deeply integrated you have to say hey lady in the box uh trigger this thing but uh but that means that amazon doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting that's their third party app platform basically and uh on dan's advice i got a, a logitech harmony hub which um which talks via one of these triggers through if this then that to the echo so now i can like turn on my tv on and off and control other devices using that which is pretty awesome um yeah the but the as to your point the problem then is like once you've started using that and you've gotten used to that it's super confusing to now think oh man you know what's cool is that you know my fire tv or siri on my apple tv lets me search for things by voice why can't I do that with my Echo? Or why can't I give those like set-top boxes more specific commands? Yeah. Um, because it's kind of limited. And I think that's the most damning thing is like once you started using this and sort of dip your toe in the water and you realize where the limitations are, you're like, oh, there is so much more room to do super cool stuff here. Uh, I wish they would integrate. As well, a, to your point, yeah. I wish they would integrate better. And the um, there's also the the problem that we're retrofitting. This is so early days that we're retrofitting our our homes and our lives to this stuff. And Scott's example is is the one that I use a lot too, which is um, we too have a light switch that must remain permanently on, unless <laughs> unless one of the last night one of the one of our bulbs dropped off the Wi-Fi network. I think because I rebooted my uh, router. <laughs> what a, and, and what a could, weird world we live in. And, and it could be well. You haven't lived until you've updated your light bulbs firmware let me tell you um and and so i used it for that but other other than that it just stays on and of course logically if you've got smart bulbs what you want is a light switch that's a smart switch that is always feeding them energy but is just sending essentially a wi-fi command to them when you flip it off to turn them off but they're not really off in the old school version of off but that requires different wiring and replacing your switches and if you're renting you can't do that um but that's because it is dumb you, you can like yay i i uh i put all new bulbs in everywhere and they're all smart now never touch the light switches not even by accident <laughs> and if you want to turn a light off you, you we've got this handy switch here you can't touch it you have to find your phone and unlock it and launch this app and then press the button to turn the light switch off or tell or tell the lady who's listening all the time perhaps <laughs> but it's just it's not quite there um, but it's close. But I, I just had that same moment that I, I need to replace the rocker switch that I've got that controls my outside lights. Ideally, I would replace that with something that was smart and acted like the current switch, but wasn't actually cutting the power. It was just talking to it over over Wi-Fi. And we're just so not there again, yet. 
we can have the technological inv- innovation of being able to turn a light on or off from a, from a switch <laughs> from in a, a switch. wall, not directly connected to via it. the internet. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Well, the Hue, yeah. Philips Hue, those are the bulbs I got. They have a, a, a little switch that you can buy. I don't know if it's a light switch. It's a button, I think, that you can. Yeah. Because it is confusing when I have guests, mostly. It's confusing because they're like, how do I turn the lights on? I'm like, well, you have to talk to this cylinder or you can <laughs> talk you can to use the your cylinder. Phone. And it's very confusing to people. Yeah, I, I yeah, exactly. Just I, ex- I have not gone down fully down that road yet. I have a switch. Uh, I have a, a Wemo Belkin Wemo smart switch, which is connected to a standing lamp. Um, therefore, you know, it doesn't require a switch in the wall. But that lamp basically is on all you know all of the time, and then the switch turns it on off specific times of day. But I can also override that using. Uh, either the Echo or a Wi-Fi app. I remember showing that to my my girlfriend very early on. I like, oh, I pulled out the the phone, like turned off the light using the phone, and just to your point, you know exactly where you were, Scott. Basically, like, uh huh, that's great. <laughs> what if I just want to turn the light on and I don't have your phone? Uh, <laughs> don't uh, do that. You know, <laughs> go into go into another room, maybe. <laughs> that's right. Here's a flashlight. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One step forward, two steps back. Well, that's 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 why I was I was complaining about tech nerds uh, uh, poo pooing the Kindle earlier. But I'll say this is why tech nerds exist: is for us to try this stuff out and step in all of these holes and uh, point out that all of these things are bad. And by the time regular people get to them, hopefully some of these holes will be filled in. Um, but we get to have the be on the cutting edge where we uh, where we can't touch any of our light switches. Maybe they, they, this is a product idea, like little tape that you can put over your. Light switch is saying, "Do not touch." Smart. <laughs> Just, these are these have been smartened. Don't touch them anymore. That's right. And intelligent. They will be angry if you touch them. Yeah. I, I do love my Wi-Fi light bulbs, I will say, though, because uh, I yeah. like the fact that they will just turn on around sunset. Yes. You don't have to do anything. It just happens. It's fantastic. So my outdoor, my, my outdoor lights are like that, where they, they, are, they come on in the morning and in the evening, and uh, uh, they come on around sunset in the evening and then, and then stay on until like 1130 or 11. And in the morning, it's the same thing. They come on at like 6 and then go off at sunrise. And uh, that, as, the, as the seasons change, it just takes care of itself it's pretty great yep i have the same thing with my wemo switch and i'm thinking about expanding that because it's a little more versatile than the light bulb situation for me um just in terms of like if i burn out a light bulb i can still you know replace that light bulb yes yeah all right well uh i'm gonna move on to ask upgrade i think uh this has been a good conversation let's uh thank one more sponsor it's the good people at mail route they're sponsoring upgrade again thanks to mail route you know uh, every all the time it department scott knows this i'm bringing scott in on all the ads this week it's fun <laughs> it's it department true. scott they're always being asked to do more with less aren't they Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Including really important stuff like stopping spam and virus attacks. Uh, there have been a bunch of end-of-life announcements for trusted hardware and software options like Postini and MX Logic. So who can you trust to do the job well and stick around? The answer is MailRoute. MailRoute's team has been focused exclusively on email protection since 1997. This is what they do. They are the experts at doing email, and this is what their company is about. They're not part of a larger machine that's trying to sell you other stuff. They do email, and they do it well. 
They protect your email and your hardware against spam, viruses, and any other attack. They basically wall off your mail server from the big bad internet. They stand between it. They are the wall. Uh, no hardware or software to install on your side. If you own your domain, that's all you need. You point your domain at MailRoute. They filter your mail, and then they pass through the good stuff to your mail server. Uh, the interface is easy to use and loaded with administrative tools, including an API, and it's all designed to make your life spam-free. MailRoute supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, Mailbagging. Mailbagging! Thank you. Outbound Relay, and everything else you'd want for the people handling your mail. Right now, MailRoute is offering price matching for McAfee MX Logic customers. Stop spam today with a free 30-day trial of MailRoute by going to MailRoute.net slash upgrade. And another lifetime offer here, people. Listeners of this show can get 10% off of MailRoute for the lifetime of their account by going to MailRoute.net slash upgrade or sending an email to sales at MailRoute.net. MailRoute protects your email from spam and viruses. That's it. That's all they do, and they do it better and have been doing it longer than anyone else. Go to MailRoute.net slash upgrade, and thank you to MailRoute for once again supporting Upgrade. All right, you guys ready to do some Ask Upgrade? Yeah. I am ready. All right. Some of these questions might be for you, you see. Uh, Listener David wants to know, uh, why does everybody want to kill the MacBook Air now? We were talking about this last week. It's uh, (laughs) cheaper and faster than MacBooks. It's more ports than MacBooks. And it's cheaper and lighter than the MacBook Pro. I think the answer is nobody wants to kill the MacBook Air (laughs) except Apple. David, the MacBook Air knows what it did. That's right. <laughs> Ever since it went on that murderous rampage, I feel like it should die. So you're for <laughs> the death. are numbered. You're for the laptop death penalty, is what you people are saying. You are, you are, you are monsters. But so is the MacBook Air, apparently. No, seriously, I love the MacBook Air. I think a lot of people would really like the MacBook Air to be updated with new processors and a Retina display. But it's very yes. clear that the MacBook is the MacBook Air successor. Apple has made it that way. So we're not, we're not trying to kill it. I think we're trying to acknowledge the fact that it's over because Apple, you know, Apple would have probably called it the MacBook Air if they had wanted to keep that name around. It seems like the Air. Uh, name is being phased out. I think the iPad Airs will be renamed yep. at some point to probably just iPad, since there's iPad Pro, um, and the MacBook Air. Likewise, the 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 MacBook is the MacBook Air successor. So I will. Um, I plan on running my 11 inch MacBook Air like into the ground I basically <laughs> until the MacBook One is you know sufficiently improved yeah, as gonna, to replace it. It's going to be a few years before it's even as fast as my MacBook Air, right? So, uh, you know, maybe the MacBook Pros will be as thin and light as a MacBook Air by then, and that will be the difference. Right. I don't know. And that's that's the the Air signifies, right, that it's lighter and thinner, and I feel like that's just what they're going for across their product line anyway, so why have a special uh, model that is all about that when they just want it for all of their laptops and yeah. iPads to be light and thin? Yeah. They're uh, they're they're over it now, and the MacBook is gonna is gonna do that from now on. Anyway, that's the that's your fewer ports, cheaper, faster, lighter thing in the long run. As the MacBook Air is allowed to sort of age away, I, I doubt it will ever be updated. I think it's just gonna fade away. It would be nice if they gave it another update, but um, yeah, probably just price drops. It exists. More price drops. It exists to be so. a sub thousand uh, Apple laptop yeah. right now. That's that's the reason yeah. that it's still around. Something else will fill that slot eventually. Yeah. Uh, so that was listener David. This is a different listener David, but it, I assure you, uh, the name is David, but it's not the same one. I just bought a new Mac Mini for my 16 year old and was very surprised. It's a November 2014 build. When will Apple update them next? Wow, the Mac Mini. 
it, the it, Mac Mini knows what it did <laughs> again. Uh, Dev, <laughs> since went on that murderous smash. <laughs> <laughs> it's really there are some there are some kinks to work out. Uh, it's the the Apple goes usually pretty long without updating the Mac Mini. I feel like that is a every once in a while when they think of it, they're like, oh yeah. Yeah, we uh, we added this thing to the Mac Mini. Here's a press release about it. We don't talk about it otherwise. Bye bye. So this is 2014 to it's only early early 2016. Yeah, does not surprise me at Priorities. all. Priorities get updated last year. It's a low priority. This you know th- there'll be uh, at some point a chip generation change that Apple will be like, yeah, okay, we could, that'll fit in there, and they'll and they'll uh, do an update. The disappointing thing of the 2014 models is that the chips that they used didn't support um, the the like four core model. So it's all just like two mm. core models there there used to be uh, a mac mini that was sold that was actually faster than the fastest of the next generation mac mini because it had the multi it had more cores and um uh, i don't know whether that'll change or what it's a low priority for apple so i'm sure they'll update them my guess would be you know i i'd say end of this year because i feel like a two-year cycle is fair but it could it could not be depending on what else they got going on i I either think it probably at wwdc or this fall yeah one of those yeah uh, Lister Chris asks, do you guys think Apple Watch 2 will offer a configuration to buy just the watch and skip the band at a lower price? This is the opposite of what Amazon did with the Kindle. <laughs> I don't no, think that's happening. I don't yeah. think so. Mm-mm, no, no. First, first off, a bandless watch is not a good look. And and you're basically saying, um, we, we, uh, we're going to go buy some band from someone else that isn't Apple. No, Apple's going to make you have a band. Essentially, with the new nylon straps, you have uh, you have an option of a nylon band or a sport band at the lowest price of the Apple Watch Sport, which I think is a good. Mike noticed that and 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 mentioned it yeah. to me, and I was struck by that. It's like, yeah, basically now you've got a different option for the default, but you need to pick a band, and and yep. and that's going to be baked into the price. Pick a side, people. Yep, it's just going to happen that way. Uh, uh, listen, Apple listener John wrote in to say, and this is a this is a great one, Barnes & Noble lost the ebook war. I want to switch to the Amazon ecosystem while I can due to better e-readers and more books. I listen to the Six Colors podcast. Dan and I do a secret podcast for Six Colors subscribers, Shut. by the way. What? And I'd like to there buy... Maybe kin- other secret podcasts which you do not know about. Yes, and I'd like to buy a Kindle Paperwhite. Are there, uh, are there any easy ways to transfer books from the Nook to the Kindle? Um... Easy, yes. Legal, oh, yeah, was, question mark? <laughs> I think you must find a Barnes & Noble representative and sacrifice them during a full moon. <laughs> Boy, you guys Don't are killing everybody in this Ask Upgrade. This is dangerous. Well, Barnes & Noble knows what it did. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Um, I think ethically, yes. Legally questionable. But if you, I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, although if you... If you um, if you Google search remove DRM from Nook, you will probably find this link. Um, it's a link to the digital reader that links to a couple of things. Basically, the uh, I wrote about this on Six Colors, too. There's a tool called Caliber that is an ebook conversion utility. And one of the things that they offer is a plugin architecture. And then somebody has written a plugin that uh, will remove various kinds of ebook DRM from books. It doesn't work with Apple's iBooks because that uses the Fairplay DRM. You need a different DRM stripper to do that. But uh, for Kindle and Nook, I believe it will work. 
So what you do is the, the digital reader article that we'll link in the show notes says you basically have to download the Nook app on your computer and you download your books and then you, you open them in, ca- in a caliber and you, uh, you've installed this DDRM plugin and you can basically convert them and take the DRM off of them. And then if you want, you can convert them to a format that the, that the Kindle will play. And then you can put them on your Kindle. You can like copy feel, them onto your Kindle yeah. and that will work. I realize it's sort of a gray area, but I also feel like at this point, if that platform is abandoned, you should not feel bad about this. I like, agree. Uh, otherwise, uh, that's just like, that's I, just I extortion. I, don't should, I think, I don't think you should feel bad about it. Even if it if you just wanted to switch from the Nook yeah, to the true. Kindle, that you too. shouldn't feel yeah. bad about it either. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, you should not buy a Nook if you're listening now because Barnes and Noble doesn't care about it all that much. But, yeah. uh, and you can also, I mean, uh, one of the other things I really like about the Kindle is Amazon makes it easy to put stuff onto it. And they have a variety yeah. of what you can email to a special address. You can download a little uh, app. You can uh, sideload like a, a Kindle printer onto your 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 uh, computer so you, you can, can print to your right. Kindle. You can plug it in and uh, drag and drop too, right? Yeah. You can do that as well if you're a, a caveman. <laughs> And I am. And Dan is. Yes. Um, yes. Lady in the cylinder, turn off the lights in the cave. Um, <laughs> exactly. I'm on headphones. <laughs> listener Lucas wrote in to say, is there any way to make a screenshot on the new Apple TV that does not require Xcode? And I answered Camera. him. Yes. And I disappointed sort of. him. Yeah, you can take a picture of your TV set. Great. Uh, uh, you can or use, use a capture box, which is what I have. Yeah, so, so you, you can use something like, uh, I think mine is an Elgato um, well, capture can, box. You can even do better than that. My understanding is if you have a USB-C to USB cable uh, and you attach it to your Mac, to a Mac, you can do the QuickTime screen capture. Oh, like on, uh, like doing as that with, with your phone. As with a phone or an iPad. Um, and then so you could do that and then, and then just take a frame. And you would have a screenshot if you wanted. But there's to no a, way to like reverse airplay, which is I kind of think what he's looking for. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think you can. So so basically, you're going to need that special cable or uh, just a dark room and a very steady hand and take a picture of your TV set, which is not the best. But we used to have to do that at MacWorld for a while. Yeah. Listener Benjamin wrote in saying, "Sweatshirts and T-shirts are nice, but what you what you really need is baseball caps next time for upgrade." I said, "I will take that under advisement." Uh, Mike may not know what a baseball cap is because they don't have baseball in England, but it's like uh, a cricket cap. Yeah, yeah. A cricket <laughs> cap. That's exactly <laughs> it's it. It's a crumpet cap. <laughs> but we'll have a yeah. Is it a muffin English muffin cap or a crumpet cap? I saw crumpets in the in the supermarket crumpets the other day. Excellent. Uh, I I, I highly recommend. Yeah, go go like eat a crumpet. crumpet. We'll put a go eat a crumpet. A, anyway, a tasty cake crumpet. We'll, we'll have an orange brain baseball hat at some point. Maybe that would be fun. Um, and finally, listener Paul wrote in and said, "If given the opportunity, which episode of Star Trek would Scott forcibly subject Dan to?" Wait a second. I want to. I want to object to the premise of this question that you need to forcibly <laughs> subject me to a Star Trek episode, as though I have not seen most Star Trek episodes. Everybody knows that you're a Star Wars fan. And that you can't you can't like two things with stars in the title. <laughs> it's clear. This well, actually, I've, I I have forced Dan to watch an episode of Star Trek for my true. podcast, Random Trek. Uh, Dan was my second guest. Jason was my first guest. This is like a, a Random Trek reunion. Oh, uh, we all watched the same random episode of Trek for today, right? We did. Yeah. No. 
Uh, and uh, it was the episode I forced Ed to watch was by any other name, an original series episode that includes uh, uh, some people being turned into uh, dice, which was exciting. <laughs> yes. Well, they're, they're like uh, styrofoam dice, large styrofoam yeah. dice. Yeah. Yeah. They get crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't. Scotty, I Scotty I, gets an alien drunk in that one. That's my favorite part of that. Episode. That's true. He he does. Uh, but I reject the premise of the question as well. I don't think that anyone should be forced to watch Star Trek. If you like Star Trek, watch it. If you don't, don't. I happen to know Dan likes Star Trek. So if I had to, if there was some weird situation in which I had to force Dan to watch an episode of Star Trek or else bad things would happen, uh, I would force him to watch In the Pale Moonlight, a Deep Space Nine episode that I know he likes. And great choice. Well, uh, thanks to both of you for being on Upgrade and filling in Mike's shoes, one shoe each, which means you've got also a barefoot there or a sock one or something. One shoe only. Yeah. Something like that. It's, it was it was great having English. you both on, Scott. It's great to have you back on Upgrade. And Dan, I believe this was your first time on this well, side of the microphone, time. right? For so, Upgrade, so nice, so, so nice to be here. Wait, uh, is there another side to the microphone? <laughs> yeah, the side where I put uh, I put uh, marshmallows in your uh, in your to do list. This is this is a better side than that. <laughs> to do marshmallows. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what do you do I with did, those marshmallows? I did all Dan? the marshmallows. Dan can decide what it's he does. Really, really thank you dangerous. to our sponsors: Smile, MailRoute, and IT Pro TV. And thanks to Mike, wherever he is, he'll be back next week from his assignment in Atlanta, clicking pens. Uh, and uh, here's where you can find us. Of course, show notes are in your podcast app of choice, or you can go to relay.fm/upgrade/slash. 85 and you can find scott on twitter at blank baby and he is the host of the random trek podcast on the incomparable you can find dan at d morin he is the host and co-host of so many podcasts including clockwise on this very network and of course the rebound which he hosts with uh with john moltz and lex friedman that's a tech podcast you should check out thanks to you both thanks Thanks to you jason and thanks everybody out there for listening we'll be back next week see you then Mm -hmm.